On the new podcast, American Criminal, you'll learn about the fraud, theft, and murder that marks the dark side of the American dream. Like the Menendez murders, was it two greedy kids who killed their parents for money, or is there more? Listen to American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts. Maryland sports fans, there's only one sports book in the great state of Maryland with over 50 years experience booking bets and supporting customers. Betfred Sportsbook at Long Shots is now open and is the only sports book in Frederick offering cash betting on football, basketball, world soccer, and more. Visit the Betfred Sportsbook at I-270 and MD-85 in Frederick, right next to Longshot's off-track betting. Go to BetfredSports.com for more information and your chance to win exclusive merchandise. Must be 21 or older. Play responsibly. For help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Welcome to the age-old question. I'm Rich Price. And I'm Clint Bierman. And on this podcast, we explore questions that people have been debating for ages. Questions about music and life. We're songwriters, musicians, music fans. And in the 25 years we've been friends, we've been practitioners of the unanswerable. But today, we'll delve into a new question and we'll talk to some smart people and we'll come up with the answer. Okay, Clint, what's today's question? Today's question is, is D minor the saddest of all keys? That's the age-old question. It's been said that D minor is the saddest key of all. When Nigel Tufnell sat down to write his rock opera trilogy, he chose D minor. It's a bit of a departure from the kind of thing you normally play. Yeah, well, it's part of a... Uh... A trilogy, really, a musical trilogy that I'm doing in D minor, which I always find is really the saddest of all keys, really. I don't know why, but it makes people weep instantly to play it. What do you call this? Well, this piece is called uh, Lick My Love Pump. <laughs> oh, this one? It's like a mix between Mozart and Bach. It's a mock piece. It's a, um, it's a mock it's piece, a mock really. Piece. That, of course, is from Rob Reiner's classic 1984 film, this is Spinal Tap. But is Nigel, Christopher Guest's alter ego, right? Is there a key that is especially evocative and sad? And is that key, in fact, D minor? <laughs> in the 18th century, a German poet, preacher, and musician, Christian Friedrich Daniel Schubart, wrote a treatise on the characteristics of different keys, and he concluded that the key that best captured the feelings of anxiety of all the soul's deepest distress was E-flat minor. Side note on Schubert, he was kicked out of university for quote-unquote unacceptable behavior and was eventually imprisoned for an adulterous affair and for satirical remarks made against the Duke of Wurttemberg. I'm assuming those two things are unrelated. He spent 10 years in prison for those things. It was during this time in prison that he dictated his work to a fellow prisoner through a hole in the wall. He's like a real-life Alexander Dumas character. And it was in 1806, after he had died, that Characteristics of the Musical Keys was published. But again, according to this guy Schubert, the saddest key of all was E-flat minor. Clint. Yes, sir. I googled the saddest songs ever. Yeah. And Rolling Stone has a pretty good list, including... Eric Clapton's Tears in Heaven. Oh. Heartbreaker. 
Heartbreaker. A major. A major. A major. A major. Not even. REM's Everybody Hurts. D major. Harry Chapin's Cats in the Cradle. I've long since retired, my son's moved away. I called him up just the other day. I said I'd like to see you if you don't mind. He said I'd love to, Dad, if I can find the time. That song I heard on the radio yesterday, and I kept the car on and listened to the entire song. And felt something deep in my soul. Once you're a dad... It takes on a new meaning. New meaning. That song is in B flat major. Hmm. Uh, all songs have been major so far. Interesting. We'll come back to that. George Jones, he stopped loving her today. Oh my God. Oh. Heartbreaker. You got that one? Yeah, let's listen to it. He said, I'll love you till I die. It's about a guy who says, I'm going to love you forever. She told I'm going to love you till I die. And guess what happens? When George Jones says he stopped loving her today, as the years went slowly by, means he died. She still prayed upon his mind. He kept her picture on his wall. I mean, that <laughs> harmonica, what's that harmonica <laughs> comes in? It's like a crying clown. It's like the saddest. That song is uh, in A flat major. Okay. John Prine's Sam Stone. I'm not familiar with that one either. Uh, it's a pretty sad one. Let's see. Sam Stone came home to his wife and family after serving in the conflict overseas. And the time. So. This is a guy, John Prine, who wrote Angel from Montgomery, maybe yep. his most famous song. Yep. Sam Stone is in the key of F, which is a relative major to... Uh, D minor. Can you break that down? How is D minor related to F? Well, D minor is the relative minor of F. So if F is the one, the relative minor is the six chord, making it so F is one, G minor... A minor, B flat major, C major is five, D minor is six. It's called the relative minor. All the notes that appear in the F major scale also are the same notes that make up the D minor scale. So according to Rolling Stone's list of saddest songs of all time, the only song that is tangentially related to D minor is John Prine's Samstone. So another nominee for Heartbreaker... Nothing Compares to You. Mm. Prince wrote that song made famous by Sinead O'Connor in what was arguably the saddest music video of all time. Oh my God. It is... Do you remember it? She's, I do. She's like staring into the... I think she actually cries. Into your soul. Yeah, it, there's a tear. St- yes, yeah. Bald. I mean... Yes. It's been seven hours and fifteen days Since you took your love away F major relative major to D minor again. By the way, when Prince did it, it, it's got a little more sexiness or swagger. Yeah. I can eat my dinner in fancy 
He did it in B major. Hmm. Chris Cornell also did it. Hmm. He did it in the key of C. It's been seven hours and fifteen days since you took your love away. Now, maybe the strangest version of this song. Uh, Aretha did a version of this song. I'm not quite sure what she was going for with this version. Check it out. It's been seven hours and 15 days since you took your love away. I go out every oh, night man. and sleep all day. It's interesting. Okay. Marie Claire Magazine, maybe not an authority on rock and roll, had its list of saddest songs of all time. Its top pick, When We Were Young by Adele. Huh. E flat major. Should we listen to that? Everybody loves the things you do From the way you talk To the way you move Number two, Beyond by Leon Bridges. Let's listen to that. Yeah, I remember that one. Sort of sounds like Into the Mystic. Yeah, a lot, actually. A lot, like Into the Mystic. We were born before the wind don't want to get ahead of myself Feeling things I've never felt It's kind of hard for me to explain Her personality in everything Number three, I'm on Fire, the Springsteen tune by the Chromatics. Do you know this version of I'm on Fire? loves that version isn't that about a pervert i don't know i think it's hey little hey little is your daddy home Home. did he go and leave you all All oh god i got a bad desire oh i'm on fire i think it is that song just took on a whole new meaning for me yeah they do that in b flat major okay so it's not looking good for d minor (laughs) but what's interesting as you point out clint most of these songs so far, in fact, maybe all of these songs so far, have been in the major key. Hmm. For a song to be sad, it doesn't actually need to be minor, in a minor key. Some other examples. Basically, anything by Ray LaMontagne, who loves to write songs in the key of G. Trouble, Jolene. Mm-hmm. Cocaine flame in my bloodstream Sold my coat when I hit Spokane Bought myself a hard pack of cigarettes in the early morning rain. Another one of my favorite artists, Patty Griffin, has some devastatingly sad songs. Maybe the saddest of which is Long Ride Home. Do you know the song? No, I don't think so. It's an F sharp. It's from her album Thousand Kisses from 2002, which I love. Let's listen to it. Someone dug a hole six long, feet in the ground. I said goodbye to you. I threw my roses down Ain't nothing left at all In the end of being proud With me riding in this car And you flying through them It's all one, four, fives. It's so interesting. Yeah. No minor key there. No, it was all one, four, five. By the way, 
If you don't know her work, start with her debut, Living With Ghosts from 1996. Great record. So Clint, what makes a song sad? And does the key, in fact, have anything to do with it? What I noticed from the songs that you just played me is when I felt the most sad is when the tempo was slower. So I think on some level it's, it's based on tempo. Also, long synth tones seem to provoke a deeper sadness for me personally versus guitar. If you take away the lyrics from Sinead's version of Nothing Compares to You... It's still mel- sad. It's sad, like melancholy, like ache to yeah. it. Yes. And it's kind of the amount of reverb and the, the delivery, obviously. So on, I think it's a combination of many factors. One, instrumentation. Two, genre. Because mm-hmm. a lot of these sad songs are country songs. Right. Number three, I would say the delivery of how emotional the, the singer is. And I don't think the key necessarily has anything to do with it. I mean, I'm not sure I agree with these lists, first of all. Yep. But I, there's no cl- clear pattern, except that they're all major. Right. Which is a pattern. And also totally counterintuitive. You know what? Let's call Jeff Simons. Oh, here we go. Let's do this. <laughs> Let's get him I mean, back. For listeners of this podcast, you'll know we have this guy on speed dial for a reason. I have a feeling Jeff will have something to say. Can't wait. Jeff? Yeah, hey. You got Rich and you got Clint on the line. What's up, Jeff? Clint Behrman. How are you, friend? I'm great, man. Psyched to hear what you got to say, man. (laughs) It's always a highlight for us to get to talk to you. And this week we're talking about, is D minor the saddest key of all? It's just fantastic. This is a great (laughs) reference and made me just giggle. I can hear Christopher Guest going, la, 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 la. Of course, we're, we're being a little tongue-in-cheek, Jeff, but we, what we're trying to unpack here is, is there some secret sauce that makes a song particularly sad? That's such a great question. So I went back and uh, I just sat for a second. I thought, like, you know, what, when I think of sad songs, what come to mind? And I thought of about 20, and my first reaction is that all but three of them are in a major key. So for me, the saddest songs are actually are written in major keys with melodies that don't necessarily belie their sadness. So maybe part of it for me is being surprised by tonally by the song, expecting one thing and then being delivered something else that that particularly mm. knocks me out. But I think like the I feel like resignation. Or like, or the maybe resignation is the wrong word, but the recognition of an unfixable situation, like this thing has gone wrong and I cannot make it right, and and there's nothing I can do but live with its dissolution or its or or the the fallout of this terrible wrongness of which I am complicit. That for me is just like the backbreaker. Those are the songs that just that crush me when the singer is like. These are the facts. This is my experience within those facts. And there's nothing to do but suffer. And that's what I'm realizing as I sing the song to you. And do you have an example? What's an example of that exact thing? Okay, so here, I, I was, you know, I have about 10, but I'll, I'll try to pick the ones that really kill me. There's a song by Steve Earle called Over Yonder that closes his record, Transcendental Blues, which is written from the point of view of a guy about to be executed on death row. 
And I cannot listen to that song without weeping uncontrollably by the third verse. And the line that always gets me, in the second verse, he starts to give away the things he owns. And uh, they're so minute. Like, the second line of the verse is, Thibodeau can have my fan. And it just just eats me up. So that song crushes me. When no ghosts follow me There's another place beyond here Where I be free I believe I've never been able to listen to the song She's Leaving Home from Sgt. Pepper without getting all weepy. There's something yeah. when that when the parents come downstairs and read the goodbye note yeah, and and the mom crumbles like I'm getting goosebumps just talking about it. That yeah. one just eats me alive. Um, this year's yep. love by David Gray from White Ladder. Oh, I love that song. That song kills me. This year's love it endless. Heaven knows it's high time. I've been waiting on my own too long. A song I just discovered recently, which is, is so painful, I almost can't talk about it, is a song called Nobbin Way. This is the most obscure one. Adam Levy is the lead singer of a band called The Honey Dogs that Rich and I actually opened for at South by Southwest that I had completely fallen in love with. Nobbin Way is a song about this guy taking his son who has committed suicide's ashes to be scattered at the lake where they went when the boy was a kid. And it is the most, like, brave, naked ruthlessly personal song and I mean I almost can't listen to it driving 500 miles to meet your mother you in a bag on the shores of Nobbin Wayne but it's just so beautiful so I think those those songs all jumped out at me and, and they do have in common this kind of like the, com- the terrible combination of recognition without the power to fix. Mm-hmm. You know? I agree with She's Leaving Home. It's sort of like Eleanor Rigby in that way, that he, he, yeah. someone at 25 shouldn't really understand the helplessness of, of grieving parents or of a, of a lonely elderly woman. And it's so funny you brought up Eleanor Rigby because that was the first one. I was trying to think of what's the saddest Beatles song. But there's something about the majestic quality of Eleanor Rigby's music that makes mm-hmm. it feel like I don't – like She's Leaving Home is so um, modest that it lands harder. Whereas Eleanor yeah. Rigby is so spectacular, that string arrangement. And it almost like – it almost dulls the impact of the vocal. Whereas She's Leaving Home is is, uh, is so sing-songy or, or – um, unassuming in its melody that it, the lyrics land harder. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Jeff, you have not disappointed. This is awesome. This is exactly what we were looking for. <laughs> Amazing. It's such a great topic. And I, I'm so glad you asked because it, it did, it, I was really surprised by um, the answers I came up with. I learned so much about like what I'm susceptible to from the questions. So thank you to you guys. Thank you so much. People should remember, listen to your podcast, 50 years of music with 50 year old white guys. It's, Friggin' great. I appreciate and that. Your singles, of course, just awesome. The record's going to drop uh, December 20th 
2020. So we're getting close to the to the whole Megillah coming out. So awesome. All right. Well, yeah. Jeff, thanks so much. Thanks Anytime, so much. fellas. Thanks so much. Bye. Right. So going back to this guy, Christian Schubert, his treatise on the characteristics of each key, he believed each key had a particular emotional resonance. For example, C major, completely pure innocence simplicity. All the white keys. Right. So all the white keys. I want to give you some examples. Mm-hmm. Mozart's Piano Concerto number 21 in C major. That guy knew how to write. I mean, that's a hook. D major, the key of triumph or rejoicing. An example, Mozart's March for the Orchestra in D major. Let's listen. So according to Schubert, that was why D is a common key for marches, holiday songs, and other songs of rejoicing. A major was the key of declarations of innocent love. An example, Mozart's Sonata No. 11 in A major, third movement. A piece that has been described as one of the supreme achievements in the history of music is Beethoven's Ninth Symphony, composed between 1822 and 1824. The key of Beethoven's Ninth Symphony... D minor. D minor. It includes this melody, one of the most beautiful sequences of notes ever constructed. This music is both uplifting, but also devastatingly sad somehow. Made more poignant by the fact that Beethoven was deaf when he wrote this. Incredible. That may be my favorite piece of music. I have an interesting story about that. So okay. a couple of years ago, I did Clockwork Orange at Middlebury College. Mm. I did the music for it. And it was Beethoven's Ninth Symphony. I played to the Berlin Orchestra, played electric guitars over the top of it and made it, and then added all these synths and like huge drums. And like, it was one of the, my most favorite projects ever. It was Do you really have that? Cool. Yeah. It's Let's really listen to that. God. incredible. But are you ready to have your mind blown, Clint? Please, I can't wait. Chris Scepoletti, writing for Guitar World, did a deep dive into Schubert's treatise, and he came up with this mind-boggling nugget. Today, we tune the musical note A to 440 hertz. Mm-hmm. This is the international tuning standard for the musical note of A above middle C. Since 1939, this has been known as concert pitch. This became the standard way to calibrate and tune pianos, violins, and other acoustic instruments. But in the 19th century, when Schubert was developing his theory, musicians tuned the pitch A to something lower, closer to 420 hertz, roughly equivalent to modern-day A-flat. Which means, when Schubert was talking about E-flat minor, he was really talking about (laughs) what we think of as... D minor. Whoa. So, so good God, Nigel Tufnell was right. <laughs> that's Okay. Wait a minute. Whoa. Isn't that wild? That's so wild. 
So he was, what? What? What do you think makes a song sad? I think you're right. I think it has more to do with tempo, with performance. I do think lyrics play an important part. Yes. But I agree with you that from a genre perspective, country does sad maybe better than any other genre. Definitely. I would say without question. There's not really sad hip hop songs. Right. I've heard other people say this about country is that there's no metaphor in country music. It's all literal. It's like she stole my truck and she, and she, and she <laughs> broke my heart, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. country gets to the heart of the matter in a way that like is so honest, honest and like unfiltered. Yeah. Consider one of the saddest country songs that I can think of. It's a song called she thinks I still care. Hmm. I learned about it from James Taylor. But it was George Jones that made the song famous. He recorded the song in 1962 in the key of B major at 115 beats per minute. Just because I asked a friend about her Just because I spoke her name somewhere Just because I rang her Okay, so I love this song, and it's, it is it's heartbreaking. When James Taylor did the song in 1993, he did the song in B major and slowed the song down to 94 beats per minute. I have two things. I have yeah. two things. Yeah. First of all, tempo is addressed. That's a major, major factor totally. in sadness. It has to be. I, I mean, agree. And instrumentation. There's something about piano. There's something about violin. And there's something about pedal, pedal steel, steel guitar. That is longing. I agree. All right. So to go down this a little further, Teddy Thompson, the son of the great English songwriter Richard Thompson huh. and Linda Thompson, when he did it, he took it down a half step from James Taylor, B flat major, slows the song to 81 beats per minute. Huh. Just because I ask a friend about oh. Yeah. Just because I spoke her name somewhere. I think that's even sadder. That's even sadder. It's, okay. one, it's one sadder. On the flip side of that, Clint. When Cher did the song, in, when she did the song in 1965, she did it in the key of D. Marchy. All the way up at 135 beats per minute. Are you ready? I can't wait. Just because I ask a friend about him. Awesome. Just because I spoke it's not sad, but it's awesome. Right, I know. Okay, so that's a great example. By it's the a way. great example. Tempo may be the key factor. Mm-hmm. 
I want to play you one more version of the song. I mean, I, I could play you a bunch. The song has been covered a bunch. Elvis did it. The Flying Burrito Brothers did oh, this nice. song. Nice. Jerry Lee Lewis did it. Merle huh. Haggard did it. Willie Nelson. Huh. Do you know the artist Solomon Burke? Listen to this version. Just because I asked a friend about her the other day. And just because oh, I spoke a name somewhere. This is a sad version, even though it's there's something about that held organ, like the droney, yes. that droney held organ, yes, and the performance. It's also slow, slow. I think it's, I think it might be even a beat slower than Teddy Thompson's. That, boy, that's my favorite version so far. That's there's and it's not the saddest version, I don't think. I think Teddy Thompson's version was sadder, but I like that drone. There's something about the drone that makes my heart long for stuff. I don't know what it is. It's also like he sounds like he Yes. Is the feeling it. The performance it's is the performance. Because Cher is not making me feel sad. Right. The Teddy Thompson sends me there. Yeah. Mm. But there's something about the organ in that version that really gets my emotions so instrumentation instrumentation tempo tempo and feel yep. like feeling feeling of the performance so i actually think key doesn't matter this was a red herring i agree with you i think it's just nigel being nigel even though, but that's crazy about the what's his name? Schubert. 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 You, you, you really did it. That's incredible, actually. Give me some other sad songs. Well, I'll give you some extra sad songs, just because you asked. Oh, this is interesting. Bob Dylan wrote a song that came out on Time Out of Mind called "Make You Feel My Love." Oh. And then Adele did this song. Mm -hmm. In Bob Dylan's version, it feels more like a love song. And when Adele does it, it feels like a sad song. Hmm. When the rain is blowing in your face. Piano. Just piano. And the whole world is on your case. I could offer you a warm embrace. To make you feel my love. It's slower for one. It's slower. It's slower, but it's way more. She's really selling it. She's really selling Bob's, it. Bob sounds like he's singing it. And she's like, she's been through it. Yeah, she's, there's more emotion in her voice. I agree. So I want to play you another song. There's a great podcast by Malcolm Gladwell called Revisionist History. There's an entire podcast about this song, so we won't stay on it long. 
but the song Hallelujah, written by Leonard Cohen. Let's listen. Now I've heard there was a secret chord that David played and it pleased the Lord, but you don't really care for music, do you? I mean, if I were to hear that song independent of Jeff Buckley's version, I would think it's sad, mm-hmm. but when I listen to Jeff Buckley's version, already, already, already from the very first note, it's sadder. I heard there was a secret chord that David played and it pleased the Lord, but you don't really care for music, do you? It's, is it the reverb? Is it the... There's something about reverb in all of this as well. I've noticed from the tracks you've played, it's like mm. the amount of reverb, more reverb equals more sadness. Oh man, that Jeff Buckley, it's just, and knowing that story too, I know. it's just like crushing. You know what? Let's call Brian Chartrand. He's been reading a book about Jeff Buckley. And like every time I've talked to him in the last few weeks, he's talked to me about Jeff Buckley. Let's have him quickly tell us the story of oh, Jeff Buckley. Great. Love it. Hello. You got Rich and Clint on the line. How we doing, gentlemen? We've just started talking about Jeff Buckley, and I know that you've been diving deep into the land of Buckley mm-hmm. and his music, and we wanted to have you tell us the story of Jeff Buckley. Actually, I happened to just finish a biography of Tim and Jeff. Tell us about Jeff Buckley. Jeff Buckley, son of famed 1960s folk artist uh, Tim Buckley. Jeff basically grew up without his father, um, his big entry into the larger musical world came when there was a, a tribute to his father in Brooklyn. I think it was 20 years of, of his father's passing. So Jeff gets an invite to come sing a couple of his father's songs, does that, and that's kind of where his career started. He just wows the people in the audience, and some buzz starts to emerge. I think aesthetically, he looked a lot like his father, which I think to a lot of people was startling. It was such a, a physical similarity, uh, but also kind of vocally, they shared this at times operatic a register. You could go from a roar to a whisper, had this control that I think it kind of stops you in your tracks. And that's certainly what happened to me the first time I heard him sing. So signs a deal with Columbia, gets $100,000 in advance money, is living in New York, cuts his first record. It's behind schedule. It's over budget, but he makes grace. Grace that his first critically acclaimed you know, debut record, Grace, you know, but it doesn't have that hit, the huge hit. But what it did have was some cover songs. Hallelujah. When I've seen your flag on the marble arch, and love is not a victory march. It's a call and it's a broken hallelujah. hallelujah. He's, he's flying his band from New York to Memphis. The guys were on the plane. And he's out with his buddy, and he wades out, not into the Mississippi. I think, I believe it's called the Wolf, basically a tributary of the, of the Mississippi. Wades out with his boots on, jeans, fully clothed, is singing Led Zeppelin. His buddy's like, hey, you know, Jeff, we, we got to go get the guys. A ship goes by, the wake pulled him under, and that was it. They find his body four days later. Whoa. Had, you know, arguably the largest record label on the planet fully supporting him 
saying, all right, well, let's, let's do what Jeff wants. If that's what Jeff wants, you know, if that's what Jeff wants, you know, and then made this random error right before cutting his, his second record. And it really was after this point that Hallelujah becomes an iconic crusher. Crusher. It's a crusher. So oh. electric guitar, which is even exactly. more different. It stopped me in my tracks. I remember exactly where I was, and I was hooked, and that was it. Wow. Well, Brian, thank you for sharing this story. It's not the most uplifting of your stories, but it's a good one. <laughs> well, I'm I'm stoked to be a part of the podcast. Love it. Can't wait. I want more. You'll have more. All right. Thank you soon. All right. Bye. It's not a cry that you hear at night. It's not somebody who's seen the light. It's a call and it's a broken hallelujah. Oh, man. I mean, that's so sad. Tears in Heaven, a song we mentioned earlier in the episode. Is it sad because we know he wrote that because his four-year-old son fell out a skyscraper window? Yes. God, it's the worst thing ever. It's the worst thing ever. If we didn't know that, it's a beautiful song. Yeah. But I think we connect to the song in a totally different way. Jeff Buckley's version of Hallelujah. Context. Context, another interesting point. Beethoven's Ninth. Here's this guy, one of the greatest composers of all time, is deaf. Can't hear his own thing performed. Oh, it's, yeah, it's devastating. So context. Context. I have a D minor one that I just thought of. Yes. Track nine or ten on August and Everything After is a track called Raining in Baltimore. Oh. That song is in D minor, and that song has always gotten me, and it's a solo piano song. Actually, there might be accordion on it in the bridge, but... Let's listen, because I agree. I love this song. Let's listen. The circus is falling Down on its knees The big top is crumbling down It's raining in Baltimore Fifty miles east You're right. It's piano. It's his performance. It's his performance. Adam Duritz is incredibly emotive, emotive singer. Yeah. That's a good example of all, a combination of everything we've talked about. I think about. we did it. I think we did it. I think we did it. Oh, man. We, we've done it again. I think what we've decided is the key of the song is actually not what makes the song sad. There are a bunch of other things, performance, tempo, lyrics, instrumentation, instrumentation, context, context. So this week's riddle was a little bit of a red herring. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Nigel. (laughs) (laughs) We hope you'll join us next time when we answer another age old question. Follow us on Instagram at The Age Old Question. Facebook, The Age Old Question. We hope this conversation has sparked some ideas and thoughts of your own. Let us know in the comments. But let's be kind, people. Yeah. No hating. No hating. Also, if you're digging the podcast, please check out our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash The Age Old Question. 
and consider becoming a part of our age-old question family. With your support, we'll be able to answer many more age-old questions. Thanks. Thanks.